1: Hello, I'm Blair Bathory and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. While many are happily preparing for their first days back at school, for others it's causing pure dread. The idea of learning a new routine, having to make new friends and impress new teachers all while trying to survive life, can be unbearable. Not only are some battling the demons of their own self-conscious, but new buildings and new school gears can bring terrible horrors with evil entities that lurk inside the halls of education. First, a killer fate, followed by scary secrets, then gripped by fear. Finally, in our featured story, dying to sleep. So, wanna hear something scary? Back to school fear. Even when you think you've got away with something, just remember, karma is a killer. Like in this creepypasta-inspired story about Carmen Winstead. Carmen Winstead began her senior year as an ordinary 17-year-old. However, a few months in, her father lost his job. The family had to relocate so he could find a new place for work. Carmen found it difficult to leave her old acquaintances behind and make new ones. The first few weeks at her new school were challenging, but things improved as she began to hang out with a group of five girls. They appeared polite to her face, but Carmen soon discovered they had been gossiping about her and spreading false information. One of the rumors was that Carmen was having an affair with Mr. Harvey, the school's janitor. Another, that she was a thief. There were so many more to follow and each one further damaged her reputation at school. Carmen summoned the strength to confront the girls about the terrible lies they were spreading after learning they were responsible. This just served to exacerbate the bullying though. The girls started calling her derogatory names, breaking into her locker and damaging her personal items. They also called her out in front of everyone in the hallway and claimed that she had a creepy obsession with various boys. Carmen was devastated, but tried her best to ignore it and carry on with her life. Every single day, the girls did their best to torture Carmen, finally, She'd had enough and decided she'd talk to the teachers about it at the end of the day. After lunch, there was a fire drill. The students gathered outside, moaning as the teachers did roll call. The bullies spotted Carmen beside a sewer opening. They snickered nastily, believing that pushing her down would be hilarious and embarrass her in front of the entire school. They crept over and swarmed around her shoving and pushing her into the sewer opening. There was a sickening thud as she struck the ground. One of the girls exclaimed, she's in the sewer, when the teachers called Carmen's name. The teacher came over to them and then cried out to call the police. Carmen's head was severely turned to one side, her neck broken. She was dead. Carmen's parents were informed of what had occurred. They quickly ran over to the horrific scene The sight of their child sickened both of her parents and they demanded to know how this all came about. All of the students were required to be interrogated by the police. The five girls claimed that Carmen had simply fallen on her own, denying the truth. The case was closed after being classified as an accident. The girls thought they had gotten away with murder. A few months later, odd posts from an unidentified account started appearing in the Snapchats of all the students stating Carmen had been pushed and that her death was not an accident. The perpetrators had a window of opportunity to confess to the authorities or face dire repercussions. The girls, however, didn't heed the warning. Crazy things began to happen. In band practice, the first of the girls leaned down to pick up her dropped tuner the exact moment the saxophone player glared his horn and burst both of her eardrums she would be deaf forever. The second of the five took a baseball to the face in gym class, causing severe brain trauma. The third fell off the catwalk in the stagecraft class, breaking every bone in her body. The fourth of the five girls was in chemistry class when a Bunsen burner exploded in her face, burning off half and maiming her beautiful skin. And the fifth and final bully was in shop class when she stumbled in her high heels and fell face first into a running table saw, and she split her head into two, dead on impact. One by one, those cruel girls suffered for their actions, even if Carmen had to exact revenge from beyond the grave. Have you ever been in a terrible situation of being bullied? Do you believe karma will take care of your bully for you? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a situation where telling the truth is far scarier than ignoring it. But the repercussions of not revealing a secret could be devastating like in this story written by Janine Pipe. I'm not sure when exactly we started doing more dangerous stunts, things that would get us in serious trouble if we were caught, rather than just mostly harmless pranks. None of us really wanted to get expelled or spend a night in jail, and we never thought for one minute we'd have a brush with death. The four of us had been buddies since the start of middle school, Me, Jack, Theo, and Joey. We weren't popular, but we weren't misfits either. Just a group of friends who did okay in class, okay in sports and always had each other's backs, making our own entertainment. Somewhere along the line, that moved from hiding the neighbors' newspapers or setting off the sprinklers to breaking into the high school the day before we started freshman year. It was Joey's idea. As the only girl in the gang, She held all the power and often led us astray. So when she told us she'd heard about a way to break into the basement so we could carve our initials onto the gym lockers before anyone else and therefore be de facto heroes, well, of course, we couldn't say no. She was right as always about the dodgy window and before we really knew it, we were crawling through the old dusty opening. But instead of looking for a lost sibling or pirate treasure, our prize was the kudos of being the first kids in the entire grade to deface school property. We roughly knew the layout, having been to the building for orientation and sporting events over the years. We knew we had to get across to the other side of the building, and the safest route was staying in the basement, which was easier said than done as it seemed to hold enough files, paperwork, and even bizarre-looking old-fashioned medical equipment to span each and every of the 100 plus years the building had been standing. When I mentioned this, Jack informed us that when it first opened, the town was far smaller. And so it served not just as a high school, but also as a quasi juvenile correction facility and a sort of halfway house for orphans. I stood still for a moment in shock. Why had I never heard the story? Joey and Theo claimed not to know either, and Jack shrugged his shoulders saying it wasn't talked about anymore because of an accident about 80 years ago where an orphan disappeared. He only knew because his mom was president of the local historical society and had been doing some research. We carried on navigating our way through decades of debris when I stopped and turned around to tell whoever was behind me to stop getting so close and breathing down my neck. But there was no one there. I was the last in the line. I chose not to think too much about that until Theo, who was in front of me, stopped and asked why I kept kicking him. And that was when Joey, who was a trailblazer as always, let out a tremendous scream. Can you see him? And then we could, a small translucent boy around 10 years old. It seemed like he had been badly beaten in life and still carried the bruises and marks and death because Jack's mom was right. The school had housed orphans at the beginning, and some of the faculty hadn't liked that one bit. They believed themselves above teaching waifs and strays. One teacher in particular was a nasty tyrant who enjoyed dishing out physical punishment. What Jack's mom hadn't been able to discover, because it was one of the town's best kept secrets, was that one time one of those terrible punishments had gone too far and a boy had actually died this boy now in front of us. He looked at us and then all of a sudden, let out a scream even louder than Joey's. His eyes flashed through his ghostly pallor and we knew he was malevolent, hell-bent on revenge. Run, shouted Theo, heading back the way we'd come and we didn't hesitate for one second. When Jack tripped, we quickly grabbed hold of him and pulled him along. I don't think I took a breath until we were on the other side of that window, out of the basement, the school and far away for whatever the hell that boy was now. But now we had a big decision to make. We had witnessed something truly terrible, but who would ever believe us? Was it worth the ridicule and harm it could cause to dig up the past, especially a past that had been so well hidden for so long? Our answer came in the form of yet another scream from back inside the basement. One so loud and fueled with rage that the window we had just crawled out of almost shattered. We knew what we had to do to allow the boy to finally be at peace. And who knew what other secrets our town might be hiding? What would you have done in this situation would you have risked ridicule to tell the truth? Sometimes the scariest thing of all is not facing the unknown, but succumbing to the pressure to fit in at the cost of your own instincts. Like in this story inspired by Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Gregoria had always believed that nothing could be worse than the looming dread of attending middle school. The idea of navigating the hallways, facing new classmates, and the uncertainty of making friends filled her with an overwhelming anxiety. As orientation approached, Gregoria's nerves intensified and she found herself dreading the inevitable. The day finally arrived and the incoming sixth graders gathered in the school's auditorium each student received their locker combinations, homeroom assignments, and a guided tour from a group of eighth graders who seemed to possess an air of confidence that Gregoria could only dream of. As she scanned the sea of unfamiliar faces, she searched for any hint of recognition, any friendly smile that might ease her nerves. But she had few friends from elementary school and they seemed to have disappeared in the crowd. Gregoria's heart sank as she wrestled with her locker combination. She had never had a locker before, and while her peers fantasized about decorating them with personal touches, Gregoria's only desire was to avoid being shoved into one. Her hands shook as two girls nearby giggled and whispered. She was sure they were mocking her. The process took longer than she expected, and by the time she managed to open it, the girls had vanished. She couldn't shake the feeling of being laughed at, a sensation that gnawed at her already fragile self-esteem. Gregoria reasoned that her worries were probably all in her head. After all, why would anyone pay attention to her? The halls began to empty and Gregoria was left clutching her newly acquired books and supplies. Panic seized her as she realized she was at risk of running late for homeroom. As she rounded a corner, she collided with the same girls who had been laughing earlier, their smiles now oddly welcoming. "'Hey!' one of them called out, introducing herself as Jasmine. The other girl was Kate. They were also in Miss Milrow's class, just like Gregoria. "'Come with us!' Jasmine grabbed Gregoria and Kate's arms and excitedly dragged them into the bathroom. Gregoria was torn. She didn't want to be late, but could these girls be potential friends? Could it be that easy? Or was she about to be tortured?' having her head stuck into a toilet for a swirly like a bad 80s movie she watched with her parents. But to her surprise, Jasmine produced a couple of candles from her backpack and the trio huddled together. We're going to summon Bloody Mary, Jasmine proclaimed. Gregoria's stomach dropped. She had heard of the chilling legend, how standing before a mirror and chanting Bloody Mary's name three times could summon a vengeful spirit. The thought of inviting such an entity into her life terrified her. But Kate explained that her older sister had shared a story. If they confronted Bloody Mary before middle school officially began, their entire school experience would be a breeze. Caught between skepticism and the dream of an easier time in middle school, Gregoria hesitated. She considered the idea that maybe, just maybe, this could be her chance to find true friendship. Still, She couldn't ignore her nagging fear, her inner voice warning her to retreat. At her core, she was a scaredy cat. Gregoria fled the bathroom with a surge of regret. She imagined that Jasmine and Kate must hate her. The thought gnawed at her as she raced to her homeroom. Sitting in her chair, Gregoria questioned every decision she had ever made and wished she had the courage to face her fears head on. That was until a chilling scream cut through the air shattering the classroom's calm. All eyes turned towards the source of the sound, the bathroom where Gregoria had just been. Panic swept through the room and teachers rushed down the hallway toward the commotion. Ms. Milmore did her best to maintain order, but the atmosphere inside the classroom grew increasingly tense, especially when the piercing wail of sirens filled the air as an ambulance arrived. Amidst the chaos, Gregoria's heart sank as she watched Jasmine's lifeless body being carried out on a stretcher. She was covered in blood. Her dead eyes were wide open, her mouth forever frozen in a silent scream as if she died of fright. Beside her, Kate sat in shock, her eyes vacant, her mind irreparably damaged as though she had witnessed something beyond human comprehension. Gregoria's heart ached for Kate Gregoria had nearly escaped a terrible fate, one that she might've shared had she given in to the temptation of summoning Bloody Mary. In that moment, Gregoria felt a mix of relief, gratitude, and a newfound understanding of her own nature. For the first time ever, she was totally fine with being a scaredy cat. Have you ever wanted to so desperately fit in you did something you were totally uncomfortable doing? Was it worth it? Or do you wish you had trusted your own instincts? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of a sleep demon, animated over on youtube.com snarled. When your obsession starts to
0: consume your dreams, There's no telling the boundaries between slumber and the actual world. There's simply no way out. So be careful of what catches that very obsession. Dallas woke up in a cold sweat, his heart pounding. The light seeped through the blinds in the dimly lit dorm room. Dallas gasped as he saw Tyler's face inches from his own. Dude, are you okay? Tyler asked. Dallas managed to catch his breath His pounding heart slowed. He wiped his sweat from his forehead. Bad, bad dream. I'm fine now, he whispered. Tyler grabbed his bag from the floor. You sure? That scream was pretty loud. Dallas stowed back on his pillow feeling embarrassed to have been sleep talking. It was their first week of college in a dorm room with a roommate they barely knew. This was the last thing either of them needed. Tyler chuckled his eyes glinting mischievously. He told Dallas he was basically a one-man horror show that kept him up all night. Dallas was mortified. He muttered an apology and assured Tyler it wouldn't happen again. Dallas's heart sank when he realized he was going to be late for class. This was only his second lecture and he had hoped to sit next to Lily, a cute girl with beautiful long hair who had caught his eye. Racing to get to the classroom, he managed to get a seat right behind her. He was excited to be so close to her beauty and he quickly got lost admiring that smell of her perfume and her long, beautiful hair. He neglected to even see or even notice his professor. As he tried to think of a way to spark a conversation, his thoughts were interrupted when the professor unexpectedly called on him. He stumbled through his response, feeling his cheeks flush with embarrassment, and Lily struggled to hold back her giggles. After class, Lily turned around to look at him with a warm smile on her face. She asked him if he needed help studying. She was pretty good at the class and thought maybe she could help him out. Dallas tried to keep his cool as he said yes, and they agreed to go to the library. That night, Dallas gushing over what happened went straight back to his dorm, hoping he'd dream of Lily. But the night terrors returned. He woke up screaming, and once again, Tyler was hovering over him, You have got to get this under control, Tyler grumbled, his face drawn from the lack of sleep. Dallas assured him it was just another bad dream. The next day, he met Lily after class to help him study, but he found himself spending more time just staring at her, yet again captivated by her beauty. He was unable to focus on his books, and he began to worry about falling behind in class. As evening approached, Dallas sat in bed studying for the test. He was worried if he fell asleep the nightmare would return and the vicious cycle of disturbing Tyler would start all over again. But exhaustion won, he drifted off to sleep. The transition from sleep to nightmare was seamless. This time Dallas found himself paralyzed, a heavy weight crushing on his chest. Panic surged through him as he struggled to breathe. His vision blurred by long flowing hair. He could feel it this time a much stronger sensation than before, and the choking grip of the demon. Desperation fueled his determination, and with a surge of strength, he clawed at the demon's face. In an instant, he awoke gasping for air, and Tyler's face loomed above him yet again as he shook his head. Dallas glanced at his bed and saw his open textbook. As he was about to close it, he noticed an eerie coincidence. It was on the page featuring Henry Fusili's The Nightmare. The creature in the painting looked hauntingly familiar. Determined to uncover the truth, Dallas grabbed his laptop and started looking for information. He stumbled upon the tale of Lilith, a she-demon known for tormenting men in their sleep. His heart raced as he made an unsettling connection between his experiences and the ancient legend. A sudden pounding on the door jolted Dallas out of bed. He felt disoriented, unsure if he was still trapped in his nightmare. He stumbled towards the door. As it swung open, Lily stood before him, her hair obscuring one side of her face. A sense of dread crept over Dallas. The same suffocating feeling that had plagued him during his night terrors, and it began to tighten its grip on his chest. Lily's demeanor seemed off, her actions unnatural. He watched in horror as she entered the room, her movements slow and deliberate. She turned towards him, and as she brushed her hair aside, he caught a glimpse of a bloody cut on her face. It was identical to the wound he had inflicted on the demon in his nightmare. He backed away, his mind reeling while his body trembled. "'It couldn't be real,' he said. Lily's eyes glinted with an eerie intensity. Oh, but it is Dallas. He stumbled, his gaze darting around the room, searching for an escape. He begged for Tyler to wake him once more, his voice raw with desperation. But Tyler never came. This wasn't a nightmare. The room seemed to close in on him and darkness engulfed his vision. Lily pushed him to the ground His attempts to resist were useless against her inhuman strength. Her weight upon his chest was unbearable. His ribs cracked one by one under the pressure. As blood poured from his mouth and his consciousness faded, the last thing he saw was Lilith's true face, twisted into a sinister grin, ready to feed upon her latest victim before disappearing to find another man to prey on.
1: This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Winderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends. Sweet screams. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality,